Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Final hour is here. OutKick 360 on this Tuesday edition. 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine on tap. We hope that uh, you will find us on social media at Outkick360 is where you can search. And that's also how you search out the podcast. Wherever you download your audio, we hope you'll share and uh, rate and review all that good stuff. Plus, subscribe on YouTube. Just search us out. Do Outkick all Outkick360. Do it all. Everything it all. you can do, do it. Do Get it off all. the fence. Stop thinking about it. Be a person of action and do it. Follow, like, Subscribe. Everything you can do, do it. That's our message to you. Some freshmen have been suspended at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher's offense is not good. Billy Lucci is excellent. Texags.com. Billy will join us in about 20 minutes, uh, and we'll have a conversation with him by phone on where the program is right now, what's going on with the suspensions, and is Jimbo Fisher capable of adapting his offense to the 2022 college football landscape because it's not close to anything like that right now. Billy will be with us uh, in 20 minutes. Always look forward to that conversation. The Browns, uh, according to reports, they are listening to trade offers on Kareem Hunt as well as cornerback Greedy Williams. So we just had a conversation with John on, you know, who's buying, who's selling. There was a scenario where the Browns could be at least tied for first place in their division had they won last week. That didn't happen. They returned back to Cleveland with just two wins, same as when they left for Baltimore. And now, by all accounts, they've got Nick Chubb. He's running at a very high level. Kareem Hunt, who I believe has asked for a trade in the past, he's producing at a high level when he has it, but he's the number two running back there, clearly. And Cleveland has a chance to pick up some picks for a back that can certainly come in and help. They'll probably I, get the same thing that Jacksonville just well, got. A I wonder, six that converts into a fifth. Yeah, but I, I think I, he's better. I wonder if the offer was even, you know, like you're getting Robinson instead of Hunt, and the style maybe fits the Jets a bit more. But it's I'm, I'm curious to see if, if maybe Hunt, the Jets tried to get Hunt first. I think based Hunt on would fit the Bills, who went after yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah. He's a pass catcher. Uh, news in here from Adam Schefter, the Chiefs defensive end, Frank Clark suspended two games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Don't know for, uh, if there's is this an, an incident. old thing. I don't know if there's an incident in this last game. I'm, I'm thinking there was something. Let me. But I'm not I, remembering I'm what it was. So that's a big loss for the Chiefs. He's a, he's a stud, uh, stud guy up front for them, obviously. And he was involved in the, uh, one of the controversial um, roughing calls. That okay, was not so, a roughing call. So what has happened? This stems, uh, I think, this is personal conduct policy? Yeah. This is, he had a gun charge okay. last year that was just Adjudicated. wrapped up. No, it was just, uh, he gets probation. 
for a gun charge in Los Angeles. Yeah, so this has been hanging over his head. Yeah, so they they finally wrapped that up legally, and I think the NFL is. Yeah, he pled no contest to gun charges on September eighth, and received probation for pleading no contest. So the league clearly just got done with whatever they were doing with that. Unless there's something else in the game that we don't know about. But. Yeah, this was over legally on September eighth, but the league decided now on a two game suspension. I bet. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey and the Bills being involved. So the other reports, the Eagles, Bills, and Broncos were in it with the Panthers over Christian McCaffrey. Eagles, Eagles. contender, Bills. Bills, contender, Broncos, not a contender. Who do the Broncos but most think of the they're names, fooling right I don't now. know. But most of the teams that we're hearing looking into these players aren't teams that are like, hey, this guy could help us get into this or stay into this. They are teams that are there who are saying, this guy can solidify our already super solid case as Super Bowl favorites, Um, which is, I like. I mean, I like that the Eagles of all teams would go make a move. That the Bills, I mean, those are the two favorites, and those are the two teams that, that are at the top of this list thinking about making a, a move that would strengthen them even well, further. The Broncos thinking about making this move just makes me mad. Yeah, right. Well, the because, Broncos, everything they do right now is makes us mad. Well, I mean, if you're... Let's get them off TV. I understand entire. it's about the best price you're going to get if you're the team trading them away, but come on. This is well, not a team that should be buying right now in this season. Not now, but two weeks ago, they didn't have two other losses. You know, so they, yeah. it, it's a different landscape then when they're calling. Um, and clearly no one's coming close to the offer that San Francisco just gave up in exchange. But, you know, the, the big discussion was his salary. And look at, I mean, Philadelphia signs A.J. Brown. They're about to pay Jalen Hurts. I mean, right? Like yep. he's earned it to this point, barring injury. And they're about to pick up the salary of Christian McCaffrey. Like the whole... The, the teams that are all in and make a run and go win a Super Bowl, like the, the Rams last year, I wonder, did that, does that change the perception of how teams are now going for it? The, you know, the teams that are kind of the surprise teams, the Jets, the Seahawks, uh, they've got rookie classes building through the draft that have really overperformed top to bottom for a rookie class of what we've seen. Giants certainly in that mix too. And then you've got the, the veteran-heavy teams with uh, some prove-it years. Miami went for it with Tyreek Hill. That has certainly paid off, pairing him with Waddle and Tua. And now Jalen Hurts. They were, they've already given him plenty, and they were in the mix for Christian McCaffrey. Got to like those Philly organizations right now. Jim Nance calling his final, final four this coming March slash April. I guess final it's early tie. April for him in 2023. When Chad and I heard of this, that's the first thing Chad said. The final tie will be given out. Now, we know he stopped giving out the tie because of the grief he took, but that doesn't stop us from pretending like this ridiculous tradition has uh, continued. So, it's, so, he's just leaving the final four. Yeah, he's still with CBA Sports. It's so he's going to continue weekend. NFL, but it's also in the report... They got in touch with Jim Nance, who says, you know, there's just a time to be with family. And uh, that, that's what I've decided to do now. And I'm think you're stepping away from one weekend, a month, like no NCAA tournament or just the Final Four. He's got a six and an eight-year-old with a second wife. So he was picking up his kids from school or dropping them off when he took the phone call. 
and said, now's the time to be with family, which, Paul, you and I kind of joked. I'm thinking, well, he's still going to do the Masters, PGA, NBA, NFL. Uh, NFL. And even if we presume it's he's all only of 63, March Madness, by the way, it's which three shocked weeks. me. Yeah. Like, doesn't it feel like Jim Nance should be in his 70s yeah. for as long as he's been at the top of his game? He's only 63 years old. So this is three weeks worth of basketball. I, I mean, I guess you're picking to give something up, but, I mean, anyway, so he's I, going I just, straight to Augusta. I thought so, the, I mean, three I weeks the, is three weeks. He's not, giving up one, one section of his work. It's not that big of a deal for Jim Nance. It's a big deal for college basketball fans that big watch the for final, me. final four. Him. But it's not going to be a huge adjustment for him. Ian Eagle is going to be who's taking over for Jim Nance. It won't be the same event without his voice on it, the way this baseball has not been the same event without Joe Buck's voice on it. Well, someone else that's going to be joining the mix at CBS and Turner is Jay Wright, who is now going to be calling games for Turner CBS, and he'll be a part of NCAA tournament, I believe studio shows, is where he's going to be. Now, maybe... He'd be great That's anyway. a guy you put on there with a, I don't know if you're going away from Raftery and, and Grant Hill with Ian Eagle, but maybe he's a part of the mix with Ian Eagle on a Final Four broadcast too, eventually. I, I think Ian Eagle is just the best pure broadcaster going right now. He's, he's, he's terrific. And, and he's the one guy at the top of his craft that isn't calling a championship of some sort. Now he's got that. Um, so it, first and foremost, like Ian Eagle is great. I, I think he'll be excellent, excellent choice. Um, Nance, in his comments about this, chose this to be the final year for him for the Final Four because of the location and the network. So CBS and TBS or Turner, they were alternating years. This is a CBS year coming up, and it's in Houston, which is where he started his broadcasting career. So he's wrapping it up there, and you know this does give him some sort of off season. I know he's got the Masters, but you know he was doing both in that whirlwind. But what's he doing between the end of football and the beginning of would, March Madness? Well, prior to that, he would call some college Golf. basketball games on CBS. Okay, so he's giving up college basketball, or he it's may do the random Final uh, Four. PGA event yeah, right. that he's happens got during golf, that time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's doing some golf and no more basketball. So he's still the voice of every other property on CBS. But we're presuming this means no more basketball, not just no more Final Four. That's, that's how I take it. But it is, they, they have worded this of, as his final Final Four. He took over for Brent Musburger in 91, and then now Ian Eagle takes over for him as he steps aside. And, and, and Musburger was over a contract dispute. So this 30 is not. years, 30 years of... Uh, he was great. I, that's a yeah, good I love him on anything he calls. Oh, he's terrific. And Ian Eagle would be terrific also. I, I told yeah. you guys I had the pleasure of talking with him on the phone um, when I was getting ready to present Rune Arledge for, on the Contributors and Coach Committee for, uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he was, I mean, everything you expect. Just a terrific conversation. Made me feel like I was super important which I certainly was not, am not, and uh, really cool. Super and I, cool. I'll, I'll never – the uh, he and Romo, it was Romo's first game, preseason game, Titans and Bears. It was their first time together calling a game. Titans Radio, we were in on that Saturday, it was or Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. Setting what, up? Uh, where the guy, I don't know if the game was on a Friday or Saturday, but we, the previous day we would go in and set up for the first broadcast at Nissan Stadium for that particular year. And we were set up at the time right next to the TV booth. We've moved down to, but they moved down two booths since then. 
but the the national network crew for that game was Nance and Romo, Romo's first game. And they were in there calling like this random, I don't know how they selected the game, but they were calling it off the monitor. Nance was there with him and Romo was calling it off the monitor with Nance going first through fourth quarter. They did the entire game, breaks, all of it. You could overhear it? Yeah. Was the door open? Uh, No, I mean, you could... You could hear them going, yeah. I mean, it was very oh, quiet. Oh, their in window our, was open and your window Yeah, was open. yeah. So, I mean, it was, they were rehearsing, but Romo was taking the time to do it, and Nance was making sure, like, he set him up on the pacing. and, and then, So, of were course, they stopping and doing then, stuff like that, or did they just run? No, they just did it, they did it all the way through. Yeah. You know, it was... I, I, That's cool. I, I gained a lot of respect for both of them, because, I, you know, there, there are some teams that just kind of show, broadcast teams just kind of show up and roll it out, right? Like... Usually sounds like not the Sean, top ones. Sounds like Sean McDonough and and uh, John Gruden did that, right, on Monday Night Football. That was not the case with Nance and Romo. And yeah. Romo's different because you've got to, like, he's setting him up differently yeah. for things. I Also, some of the stuff I just feel like it seems awfully self-important. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm listening to Troy Aikman and Joe Buck talk about the amount of people they have around the booth for a Monday oh, Night Football yeah. game, and I'm thinking, come on. Like, yeah, he's got his own. Go, stats go do the guy. game. Like, I mean, yeah. th- they get paid a lot of money to do the game and do all the research and watch all the film and get ready for one game a week. And I'm thinking, you don't need that many people around that broadcast as lot. well. They put a lot into it. They, they got a lot. They definitely put a lot into it. And then Joe Buck, which at great the time, for them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating. That's terrific if they get that much help. But Joe with Buck everything. at the time, I, was I think going some of it's from, um, Thursday night football. He was doing Thursday night football. Then he would have World Series, and then he'd fly in for a Sunday game on Fox yeah. and meet Aikman there. So you're doing all this prep, and they, their crews are incredible. You're right, though, Chad. They're deep. This I is mean, when he like, lost his voice. Didn't he have a polyp issue, Joe Buck? Um, Remember when he had the voice problems? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the voice problems that Joe Buck had was when he was put to sleep his for hair plugs. Hair plugs. Yeah, yeah. And that messed up his the, vocal cord. The other thing, there was a Thursday night game uh, in, at Nissan Stadium as well where Buck barely made the broadcast. I don't know who was going to call the game. Was it coming from baseball, maybe? No, he flew in that day, and there was like a huge traffic issue and like backed up at the airport, and they had like a police escort to get him to the stadium. And, I mean, we were, we were in our pregame show as they were trying to figure out if he was going to make kickoff or not. I wonder what the contingency is in a close-cut situation. I would love to see uh, Aikman just do both until he gets there. (laughs) I don't know what they would have done. Wouldn't that be something, We know the people to ask at Fox, but I I, I just randomly remember that now. I'd love to see the the color guy just say, hey, just get us on air and get us to break when we say until until Joe gets here. I can do it. Say it however you want. Yeah, you've, you've got all the everything in front of you. We have a spotter. You can talk about it. You can do it as an analyst. You can do play-by-play. Just, Just talk, talk about what it. you're seeing yeah. in front of you. And by the way, it is, awesome. it is the gun charge for yeah, Frank Jones. Clark officially. Uh, Clark, sorry. Yeah, I, I should have remembered that. And he's suspended. Who's Kansas City got? The second game of that is Titans next Sunday. Yeah, and they're on the bye week this week, I believe. So that's the Titans and then uh, two weeks from now. Yeah, they got uh, November 6th. Uh, they host the Titans. They then host the Jacksonville Jaguars on November 13th. And uh, then they travel to L.A. to take on the Chargers. It's helpful. I mean, you're going to have a banged up Ryan Tannehill. 
uh, in, the, in that game, presumably or conceivably Malik Willis uh, subbing. Could so be. either way, that's a, that's a nice break. Coming up, Billy Lucci joins us. He's the co-owner of TexAgs.com, and we'll chat with him about college football that's going on in College Station, lack of offense, and now some suspensions with the freshman class. That's all next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Billy Lucci will be joining us momentarily from texags.com as we discuss the issues in College Station. There have been plenty. Now they, you know, the 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 cure is a quarterback, right? I mean, that's that's number one. But also the the idea of Jimbo adapting his offense to fit more of a style that's going to produce yards and points, which is a struggle right now, Chad. Yeah, and it's the the and we're going to talk to Billy about this, but the basis of all of their issues begins and ends with Jimbo Fisher, and Jimbo Fisher is the only one who can make decisions to pull them out of this. Yeah, there's good, there's no one on that campus that can influence him. There's no one that has any power over him because of the weight of that contract and $86 million he's owed. It's, it's going to take him making the right decisions. That's it. There's no one that can get in his ear and influence him one way or the other. He owns the donors. He owns the school. He owns the players. Everything. It's all on Jimbo Fisher to make the right move, and I, I've been saying it all year. The right move is to go find an offensive coordinator and change the offense and recognize that it's not 2012 or 13 and you're not coaching in the ACC, where you had success with Jameis Winston at Florida State. Well, so you know to set the conversation up uh, there at the time, the thought was the Jimbo hire was uh, a big reach at the time because you you look at the contract. Then it was the first he was the first to get a fully guaranteed deal. At the time, it was for seventy five million. Now since then, he's got the bump up. And since then, we've seen other coaches get that same type of money, the $75 million type contract. But I just remember the reaction initially being, is this a slam dunk? Really? And you know, if you go back in time, we remember the, the Jameis uh, season and there were you know, several moments of unrest with him at Florida State, but yet you've got the, the quarterback whisperer, Jimbo Fisher, at Florida State winning games with Jameis Winston and, and winning big. You know, that... There was a Bleacher Report story that said that you know there were assistants and and players they seemed to to lose their drive after the the 2013 national semifinal with him at the helm there and then the the article also said that Florida State had the worst academic progress report score or whatever else that was and you know I remember people pointing to that whenever A and M gave him the the big money but he was winning right he was he was coming in to win yeah. and win big and recruit. And he's recruited 
We have not seen the offense change, though. Well, and this is not to pile on A&M here on this, but I really hope that they become a cautionary tale in all of this in that as bad as it's going there right now with Jimbo Fisher, that this is a warning and a changing of the tide at some point to where there's some control with the schools over these contracts that are just insane. Because every time we say, man, that's a really crazy contract in favor of the coach, someone else goes, it's, it's a hold my beer moment. And some yeah. other AD goes and signs something else that's even crazier. Mel Tucker at Michigan State. How does that look right now? The huge contract he signed after one year. Well, at least it's early there. I, I agree with but you. But again, it's it was based one on two year little and evidence. They decided to do that based on two little evidence, right? But at least it's early. My thing with A and M for since the conversation started is virtually everybody said, "Look, the recruiting is out of this world. The recruiting is out of this world," and seemed to leave everything else out of the equation as if the recruiting by itself would win. And, and it, to me, it's a cautionary tale. Like, look, you could, with NIL and your booster money and your coach who's phenomenal in living rooms, getting kids to say yes, like that, people were acting like that's enough or just presuming that the rest would take care of itself or was good enough, where maybe that wasn't enough in evidence or people just kind of forgot about that stuff because they got all the stars in their eyes, uh, the five stars in their eyes, and clearly just doing the recruiting isn't uh, enough. And now the question to me is, as this season uh, of disappointment winds down, are those five stars all sticking around to see this thing through or with the ease of transfers, does this all these two or three years that I've heard about this fantastic recruiting – go to hell because these kids have have not gotten the taste of wins outside of this one great win over Alabama I, and say, I'm going to go somewhere where I can win opening day next year. Well, people laugh when I bring this up, and we'll ask Billy Lucci about this, but I've questioned that if you're going this route, I get that it's an open market and guys are going to get paid almost anywhere they go, but if you're getting a guy purely on money, what type of player investment in football – are you getting? And today we get the news that three freshmen in this heralded class are suspended indefinitely. And Billy uh, Lucci broke that story uh, through his uh, Twitter account and at texax.com. Billy Lucci, uh, owner of Texax, joins us by phone. Billy, thank you for the time, man. We always appreciate you and, and the help with the show. Oh, yeah. that That is a horrible picture. <laughs> I mean, it's me. It's it's me. I, so you know I what? guess I can't complain. I I, I don't disagree with you. I, mean, though. I, like, I think looks, you look great. I like the backdrop yeah. with all. The, I mean, the the quality of the picture is not great, but you being in the picture with all the football memorabilia behind you looks good. We will fire all of our production face. of people immediately. To be fair, to be fair, uh, this was last minute on them as well. I sent Billy a text during <laughs> the show and I said, "We're going to bring this up. I'd love to have you. It's great to have good <laughs> friends in the in the business like Billy. You've been great to us." Um, Oh, likewise. How surprised are are you that we're sitting here October twenty fifth and we're discussing, man, what what's going on in, in College Station? Not not from a, a positive perspective, but from the man, is this really going to turn like we we thought it was yeah. prior to the kickoff? Yeah, no, I'm very surprised and and very disappointed to see you know the way the season's gone. Um, you know, look. You name it, and it's been it's been an issue. Um, you know, 
offense, special teams, losing to App State, uh, going into Starkville and, and just a comedy of errors there after a tight half, uh, taking Bama down to the final play. And then all of a sudden, just you know, that play that we've all dissected a million times when you're literally two yards away from maybe turning the whole thing around. And then that disastrous start uh, in Columbia last weekend, which, it, you know, it's not, I'll say this, it's not the two yards they didn't get against Bama. It's that you couldn't get to in your second game against Clemson ever under Jimbo to push it to overtime with a minute left. You couldn't get two against LSU last year to ice it. Special teams mistake cost you dearly against South Carolina. Well, it also did against Mississippi State. It also did um, – what game was? There was another game where just a disastrous special – oh, uh, Appalachian State. You shank a field goal that would tie it. Maybe you avoid that loss. And it's – oh, you're down 17-0 at South Carolina. Well, guess what? You fell down 17-0 after three possessions last year to Arkansas, 15-0 at halftime at Ole Miss, 10-0 at LSU last year. So it's a lot of the same issues. And, guys, I'll just be honest. We can cut through all the crap, and it is – it is. everybody wants to say culture and these young – yeah, yeah, there are some young guys that are trying to figure it out and screwing up along the way. Um, and maybe a couple – everybody's talking about guys going in the portal and this and that, but – I think a couple of them, you know, Jimbo may have to put his foot down and and send them to the portal, you know, like, but the reality is this is a locker room like any in college football. When you go in with a preseason, highly ranked team and the wheels come off on the field. And, and, and so then from there, I tell you this 90% of what you're seeing has to do with the fact that Texas A&M does not score enough points because their offense it is it's stuck in neutral and it has been for essentially the last two seasons. Other than other than like the one night you guys were at Kyle Field, so maybe <laughs> we need to get y'all to a game. But other than that, even AM's second biggest win last year, they beat Auburn twenty to three. Auburn was ranked number eleven at the time. AM didn't score a touchdown in that game. And we all thought it was because Haynes King was hurt and he was the preseason starter. And no, it, it's the offensive system needs a complete overhaul. And, and you know, I don't, I don't, I, I do think that'll happen. It's not going to happen until the end of this season. But it, it's safe to say, though, Billy, that it, it's it, Jimbo Fisher is the one that's going to have to make the decision, right? There's no one yes. because of his contract that can get in his ear and force him to do anything yeah. he doesn't want to do. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher. Is he someone that's going to look in the mirror after this season and make the necessary change, which I think you're saying the same thing, I believe is hiring an offensive coordinator to revamp the offense at Texas A&M and taking some of that responsibility off of his own plate. Do you feel like he's the type that's going to do that after the season? Normally I would say no. I think Jimbo's very set in his ways. I think there's not a lot of people that that can get through to him. And I don't think that's uncommon in this profession. You guys know that. But I also think this, and somebody texted me yesterday, an old AM player, he said, man, Jimbo came to College Station to retire. And I said, that could not be further from the truth. That has nothing to do with whether I like him or not. And I do like him, but I'll say this. I haven't seen a coach come in here and want to win worse and work harder than that guy does. You know, like it is maybe even to a detriment, you know, maybe if he could dial it back just a notch. And I think maybe by 
not being so caught up in the minutia of the offense to the point where you have to call every single play. You know, I don't know if he'll give up play calling. I think that's the $80 million question. But I do think, I truly believe, and I've asked around enough, that I think he understands that, man, I, I need some help fixing this. And, and it certainly needs to be fixed. I, so to answer your question, in the past, I would have said probably not. And there are probably a lot of people close to him that wouldn't think so. But I happen to think that that, that is exactly what we'll see at the end of the season. What has been the biggest issue with quarterback development, Billy? You know, you, I, if you look back at, you know, win, from Winston to now, there hasn't been another mm-hmm. Winston-type performance from a quarterback with Jimbo Fisher, which is what he was known for. And we, yeah. we're still sitting here waiting on that. And I know you mentioned about Haynes King and the system not doing mm-hmm. anything to help these guys. But at some point, like, they're a quarterback away from having the greatest recruiting class, right? They it's a quarterback yeah. in a system that's got to catch up with 2022 college football. Yeah, I think, you know, with this year, so much of this has to do, I think, with the uh, with the injuries up front. You know, the three of their starting six, uh, you know, their sixth man included there, uh, are out for the year already. We're halfway through the season. Three of them have had season-ending uh, knee injuries. Or one of them was an ankle, I guess. But part of it's that um, – and I think if you look realistically, Jimbo had Kellen Mond his first three years, and Kellen wasn't great, but Kellen was good. And he, then he had a great senior year. Like he was, I don't know. I mean, we go back and look, he might have been the fourth best quarterback in a 14 team conference, led him to a top five finish. Uh, you could, if he was a game manager or whatever, they had a great running game, a tight end, uh, great O line. So that, it be kind of built to that under Kellen. But then Haynes was hurt last year, and then this year's been a complete, you know, crap show. So I don't know if you could say, man, it, it's been, you know, one miss after the other with quarterbacks. But I do think you can say uh, he's five years in and, and he doesn't have that guy. Yeah. Whereas you look around so many schools and they have, that guy. So forget all the reasons why, because everybody that doesn't have that guy can give you 8 million reasons, right? The the question is, why don't you have that guy five in? Um, I think they do have that guy. I think it's Connor Wiggins. Um, I think you better let that guy play before that guy is not here next year. And you watch that guy play really good somewhere else. I think you've got him on campus. I think, Haynes is banged up. If Haynes is healthy enough to play, I, I, I still think he's a warrior. The players respect and love him. But I think you play two. Like you're at a point now in the season where you're preseason number six and you're three and four. For as much as Haynes is a warrior, he's, he's th- I think he's got six touchdowns to six picks this year, something like that. Um, look, it's not optimal. But everybody does it when they have to do it. And is by, by it, I mean playing at multiple quarterbacks and seeing who's got the hot hand and who's playing better that week. But you've got to see what you've got in Connor Wigman. And they, he did some nice things there, thrown into the fire at the end of that game. Did he look like Cade Klubnick at Clemson? No. 
I say him because they were both guys that A&M offered on back-to-back days and Klubnik has A&M. Uh, he's got A&M parents, but Cade had played earlier in the season. Those were Connor Wigman's first snaps. I think you've got to play him and see what you've got. And I do believe they have something special in him. Uh, now it's just a matter of closing out this season with some positivity, some momentum, maybe some offensive firepower to encourage some of these guys. Because I think recruiting the guys you have on campus is it might be more important right now than recruiting, uh, you know, outside. So I asked this question, Billy, as, uh, as someone who went to Tennessee, and I've had to ask mm-hmm. this existential question myself about my <laughs> own program. So, so know where yeah. this is coming from. It felt for many years like the five-star guys that chose Tennessee were the wrong guys, uh, were the yeah. wrong five-star guys, that even though Alabama and Georgia and Florida would be after the same guys, the ones that picked Tennessee always seemed to be the wrong players that maybe yeah. were a little bit overrated or maybe football wasn't quite as important to them as it was some other guys. Um, have you started to ask that question at all about this recruiting class at A&M, especially given the problems that you reported today with three guys being suspended indefinitely within this class? And when you look at the recruiting as a whole the last two years, is there a consistent theme with things that have not worked out with Jimbo Fisher and A&M recruiting? No, I think that it's a great question. And I, I get the Tennessee thing because A&M's been there before as well. I, I mean, obviously. Uh, but I think, you know, if you look on defense, those guys are playing and they're playing hard. I'm talking about the freshmen. And, and they're playing their asses off and they're getting better. Uh, across the defensive line, in the secondary, those two positions in particular. Um, and then, you know, Evan Stewart's doing nice things, although, you know, there's always kind of that cloud hanging over a receiver that's not getting the ball enough that's as good as him. Um, I think what the guy, the type guy you're talking about, yes, out of a 30-person class, there's, there's by a handful, I mean less than a five-man handful, there's three or four guys there that I think Jimbo's got to really ask that question about because that does not need to turn into eight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That does not need to turn into half the class. But I I honestly think it's a very small handful, as in three or four. And uh, there are a couple guys that, if you look at these two groups of suspensions, there are a couple guys that have been involved in both instances, both incidents. And I think you have to look at that. But I, I don't think you overlook how well a lot of these dudes are playing as true freshmen. Donovan Green at tight end, Evan Stewart at wide receiver, uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, there's like three of them that have been injured, three or four of them, and outside of them, I I think about there's about eight of them that are playing regularly and actually playing really good. And the Aggie defense isn't great, but it's a a pretty good defense so far this season under DJ Dirk, and they don't stop the run very well but just in terms of points allowed and, and how that some of the other numbers they're putting out there, it's a pretty good defense and there's a lot of young guys on it. So, and, and you can see them getting better. So I, no, I don't think as a class, but I do think you are running the risk if you don't make sure every, your house is in order and, and handle problems like the ones that popped up. 
I do think it might be time for Jimbo to kind of send a little message and, and say, hey, guys, it's not good enough. This is not going to fly around here because I do think, you know, you don't want that to, you know, that number of guys that, you know, are kind of uh, maybe where football doesn't matter as much, or maybe they've read their own press clippings, or maybe they just think, Hey, I'll just go do an NIL somewhere else. If I have to, you don't want that culture to spread. Billy Lucci, texax.com, our guest final thing for you, Billy. We were joking about this earlier in the show. Uh, you know, news came out that that Mike Evans was asked for his phone number to give it to yeah. a, a golf pro. Uh, and I was joking after the show yesterday. I said, I wonder if one of those officials went to A&M. Turns out it was Jeff Lamberth, uh, side judge. And we were joking. You probably had dinner with Jeff last night. I know the golf uh, coach. Or, yeah, the, or the golf pro. Yeah. Do, do you know Lamberth? <laughs> um, and I'm just curious here. I know you know Mike Evans. Uh, what did you make of yeah. the story when you saw it? Um, I, I thought it was just, uh, I thought it was an autograph and yeah. I, I was like, God, Lee, everybody's going to try to get this referee fired over this. And it clearly was like a little piece of paper, which means you're giving it to like your five-year-old, <laughs> you know, son or grandpa. Yeah. And then to find out what it really was, um, I'll tell you what, just for fun, I read the mentions today on that, on that news story broke and I got so much dumber <laughs> reading the mentions and people just won't let it go. They won't be happy until like the, the world comes down on this <laughs> official. And it's so sad. But no, I actually don't know him. I was, I okay. was interested to find out he was an Aggie. That's cool. Uh, the most famous Aggie official, of course, is Red Cashin. First down. But um, but yeah, that's cool. Did I, you know I, the I, golf I pro? Not know. And you didn't know the golf pro either that he was he was recommending? Is his name? Did his name come out? Because we assumed did, it was the same. We, we thought it was the same golf course it's, where we had dinner. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it probably I assumed was. you would know right away. I'm like, oh, I, it yes. was probably Bill. Sl- it was probably my man Bill Slade. Who's gonna, he's going to owe me lunch for saying his name. There we go. This. That's but, him. Uh, go. No, I'll tell you, Mike. Uh, Mike's a super, super good friend. One of my favorite Aggies ever. One of my favorite people. Um, but I'll tell you the. the one of the best weddings I've been to because at the end they catered out water burger to everyone. Uh, they brought literally on trays with the uh, people carrying around with the white, white napkins over their <laughs> sleeves, carrying around trays of water burger, like breakfast on a bun and uh, honey butter, chicken biscuits at the end of the wedding. So it was a perfect way to close it out. Most elaborate wedding you've ever attended, Billy is it's which one. Ooh, I don't know about elaborate. One of my favorite setups was Jen Brown. Um, and, and Jen Brown and her husband Wes in in outside of Atlanta and in, in like West, maybe West Georgia. Mm-hmm. I forget where it was, but it was really cool. Uh, maybe Barnsley. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes? Sure. But anyway, it Barnsley's was, it was beautiful. Whatever time like you, were, you were there, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> he had no idea. <laughs> that was probably my. That was. That was one I really liked. That was that one I remember that stands out. And then there's always the destination ones that never, uh, never fail to uh, come through. Finally, are you going to the World Series? Yeah, but you know, I've got a lot of people coming in Friday for Ole Miss, uh, some good friends, and then Saturday's the game. So that's game one and two. So I don't know. I might have to book like a midweek or to Philly. <laughs> I think it'll. I have a feeling this will be a good series, and I do think Philly 
hot and I haven't forgotten what the Nationals did to the Astros a couple of years ago. And to be honest, the Mariners, that, that series could have been a lot different. I, I actually think they'll give them a much tougher run than the Yankees did. And I think this one will come back for a game six to Houston. And I'm, that's kind of the one I'm planning on going to before that beautiful 11 a.m. kickoff against Florida the next day. Hey, if right. you're looking to unload anything for Saturday night, uh, I'm in town for Titans on Sunday, so I'll, I'll I'll help you out with a single on Saturday night if you need. You talking about the Astros or the Aggies? Yeah, Astros. <laughs> I'll, hey, I will let you know. Yeah. They do have a funny way of finding it. They do have a yeah, funny hold way on. Let me scribble what? my number down like Mike Evans did. Yeah, but Billy, uh, yeah, Billy's dude. thinking if it's the Aggies, I've got you. Yeah, you can go yeah. down the sideline if you'd like. But not, maybe not for yeah, the World Series. Yeah, I had that one. If you get bored, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, thank you, man. Uh, I really appreciate the last minute uh, jumping on by phone and giving us some background here because we're, we're, you're, you're dumber for reading the mentions on that tweet. We're smarter for having you on the show. Absolutely. I uh, appreciate you guys. Y'all balanced out the mentions for me. <laughs> Good enough. You're the man, Billy. Thank there you. He is. There's Billy Lucci. All right. Thank y'all. Yeah, man. Remember we had Billy on in an Uber headed to Wrigley Field yeah, one man. time? I, I love So if he goes to Philly next week I love for a stories. World Series game, he'll have to join us from his, his ride. His connections to, are to the game. incredible. They yeah. just all around. He knows everyone. Yes. Coming up, we let you know about the new stadium that's going to be built in the NFL right here in Music City and some renderings that have been released through the team. Titans have given us a glimpse, Paul. It pretty looks, good. Looks pretty looks, good. Looks pretty Though good. Though we'll, one we'll complaint I heard sticks in my head. I'll share that one. That's next. So now kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. An estimated $2.1 billion stadium is coming to Music City. That. The finances have been approved. The renderings released through the Tennessee Titans today. And, Paul, your thoughts on the, the stadium? I think it looks great. Yeah, I think it looks uh, pretty terrific. The uh, outside, unlike anything we've seen, so you want something that's unique. And, you know, I'd call this like modern Nashville. Yep. Uh, the only criticism I've heard from a fan on Twitter, and we know how unlikely it is you hear very little criticism. Somebody said it looks like a library <laughs> or a Starbucks. Once they put that in my head, I kind of have it in my head. But I, I think it looks outstanding. If we flip to the next one, you see the inside, um, you know. The canopy uh, up top. Uh, uh, looks terrific. The translucent the top. Yep. And, uh, you know, a shorter upper deck. We've talked about the upper deck being the hardest ticket to sell. Uh, fewer upper deck, more lower bowl, it looks like. Um, Roughly 60,000. Can still capacity. fit a soccer field, I'm told. that's uh, you know They're going to yeah. have to bring in dirt and grass to hold the soccer event there, but you want to leave the option open over the 30-year initial lease of this building, which hopefully lasts longer than that. The windows in the back, um, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium kind of effect. 
and then another shot of outside, which also, uh, you know, from the corner shows this, this kind the of stuff. Deck. You know, some people are saying, well, what do you want that for? It, it's a great feature on the outside of the stadium. And this, this is going to be something that can be used on non-game days by the team, by the city. Yeah, you, know, you you mentioned or you have a restaurant. I there. think they'll have restaurants up there. Yeah, yeah which would be terrific. It will overlook the river to and the, the park, city. Yeah, the park yeah. down to the river. It's gonna uh, be, I think it looks terrific. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And the the video they put out was really cool. Um, this is this is well done, Chad. Yeah, I mean it looks terrific. Uh, it doesn't scream football to me. It looks like a well, brand new work of architecture that's going to be cool downtown. I don't look at any of that and think NFL games are going to be played here. And I look at well, the, the stadium. Inside one, yeah. Well, the inside of the stadium looks like everything else to me. Every, and that's not a knock. I mean, that's just yeah. every new stadium. I'm sure in 1967, when they built the multipurpose stadiums, they all look the same too. I'm just saying there's no distinctive characteristic about the interior yeah. of the stadium. And that, that's looks gonna, like, that looks like there'll probably be four video boards, like the four-corner yeah. approach that Lucas Oil Stadium has. And a ribbon board that goes all the way around, not the video board Look, that goes the, all the way around. At the risk of, and I don't really care, but every, no, time you open your, every time you open your mouth about this is going to be good for the city, you're going to have people, oh, it's not your tax dollar, you, don't live, you live in Davidson County, whatever. It's good for the city. I mean, yeah. I, it, that, having that venue in Nashville, regardless of what I think about the football part of it, is good for the city. It's going to clean up that whole area. It's going to develop an entire part of the downtown footprint on the other side of the river. It's good for the city. And hopefully there is some room for some evolution of the indoor space that makes it feel distinct, Chad. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm sure they're doing that. Yeah. That's important. They didn't release too much. They gave just enough. Yeah, enough to get everybody hungry. We're back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360. We will get you ready on all of the football as we turn our attention to the weekend of big matchups. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks. See ya.